Hello, and welcome to Skynet Today's Last Week in AI podcast, where you can hear AI researchers chat about what's going on with AI. As usual, in this episode, we'll provide summaries and discussion of some of last week's most interesting AI news. You can also check out our Last Week in AI newsletter over at lastweekin.ai for articles we did not cover in this episode. And before we start, if you have any feedback or thoughts about our podcast, feel free to email us at contact at lastweekinai.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I am one of your hosts, Dr. Sharon Joe. And I'm your other host, Andre Kurenkov. And this week, we'll be talking about some robots that are over at Google's offices, some funds raised for Grammarly and related companies, some research on autoencoders and a new professor joining your university, some ethical things with truth-telling technology and facial recognition, and finally, some fun stuff related to visual art. All right, let's dive straight in. Our first article in Applications and Business is Alphabet is putting its prototype robots to work cleaning up around Google's offices. All right, so announced recently, uh, Alphabet said that their Everyday Robots project, which is a team in one of their X labs uh, that is trying to make a general purpose learning robot, has actually now started its first application out deployed uh, inside of Google's offices to clean them. Um, and they are, you know, roaming around uh, the Bay Area campuses and are doing kind of custodian-like tasks. Uh, and they have about uh, 100 or more uh, robot prototypes that are just autonomously cleaning up these offices. Yeah, so there's some fun images and GIFs you can you can watch where you can see them in action. Uh, just to give you a visual image, a mind image, uh, these are kind of robots with one arm and a base and like a little camera head. So, you know, they drive around on wheels and then they can use their arm to wipe tables or uh, grasp cups and move them and, you know, open doors as well. So cool to see robots outside the lab in, in sort of human spaces. That's something that robotics research is hasn't done very much and it's very difficult to go from learning in a lab environment to actually running among humans. So yeah, it's exciting to see this uh, development and hopefully, you know, they can keep uh, growing out the uses of robots over time. I really encourage uh, looking at <laughs> the form factor. It's really interesting. It's a skinny little thing with a kind of long arm that can extend to clean, you know, a table or something like that. Um, and do all these, what uh, the researchers say are mundane tasks um, that, you know, a human might not want to do or that are, you know, easier to tackle by a robot uh, if we can get it to, to learn those things. Exactly. Yeah. And, and they are focusing on this general purpose idea. So they are incorporating fairly cutting edge ideas of reinforcement learning and, you know, not hand coding these tasks, but training them via reinforcement learning to be able to do these things and using simulation a lot. Uh, so they're not learning in the real human environment. They are pre-trained in these little simulated worlds, but the fact that you can then use them in real environments is is quite cool. And uh, yeah, a, a kind of a, an important step in, in this, this effort. 
Yeah. And very much doing, you know, even opening a door is, is very, very challenging. Uh, and these robots actually were first seen if we were to cycle back on what they were initially aimed at doing was sorting out recycling. Uh, and that was when they debuted a couple years ago in 2019. Uh, and now they've, you know, shifted to this, um, this other environment of doing more general tasks. Yeah, exactly. And, and the whole project started around, I think, 2015, 2016. So it's long been in works and it's cool to see that they are really dedicated to it and, and continuing to push on it. Next up in our uh, business and application section, we have a couple of stories uh, on AI-assisted writing. In particular, we have Grammarly raises 200 million at a 13 billion valuation to make you an even better writer using AI. And we also have AI-powered writing assistant writer NABs 21 million. So in case you haven't seen it, Grammarly is this tool you can use for things like correcting spelling, but also correcting grammar and also other suggestions for making concise emails and things like that. And it's quite popular and they have a lot of ads. And um, yeah, I guess they raised a bunch of money and are hoping to keep pushing to make it more sophisticated using NLP and other things. And then on the other hand, we have Writer, which is kind of a smaller startup really competing with Grammarly in some ways, but it's more focused on assistant being an assistant for marketing teams and writing kind of good uh, marketing copy to sell products. I think this makes sense. Uh, the trend of NLP, you know, growing and dominating is, is very much apparent in this next round of funding for Grammarly, uh, as Grammarly takes on, you know, using their giant user base now, um, as distribution for uh, more and more advanced tasks. I think it completely makes sense. So, other startups, watch out. Maybe Grammarly is here for you, but because um, th there are a bunch of little, you know, NLP startups kind of roaming around now. Yeah, exactly. And I was a little surprised Grammarly has this high evaluation at more than ten billion. But I guess it makes <laughs> it makes some sense as they're leading the pack, and this is kind of universally useful. Apparently, it works across more than. 500,000 applications and websites, including email clients, enterprise software, and word processors. So I assume it's not just on the consumer side, also businesses are integrating it, and that's where the, bay, the big uh, cash comes in. And on to our research section, uh, and our first article is titled A Leap Forward in Computer Vision. Facebook AI says math autoencoders are scalable vision learners, and this is based on uh, a paper that they recently came out with. Um, so mass autoencoders basically work as, uh, so an autoencoder, you know, typically you um, put, feed in an input, you encode it into some kind of representation space, and then you have a decoder that decodes it into the same image. And you learn these encoders and decoders through, you know, loss, a reconstruction loss function. Um, a mass autoencoder is getting at the fact that the input itself is already masked out, so it's not the complete uh, image, and um, you still want to decode it to the full target image. 
Um, and this is often, you know, often used for images, uh, but also still also used in, in language domains. You can also mask out tokens. Uh, and I think in particular, uh, what Facebook AI here has done is they've shown that we can scale this using um, visual transformers. Um, and uh, they use these models as the encoders and decoders to uh, enable this to happen at high capacity. Yeah, so it's it's kind of doesn't have anything too complicated. It's kind of just building on prior ideas. The neat thing is they kind of took inspiration and compared the use of masking in language, which in LP this is common. You kind of mask out some words in a sentence and try to figure out what those words are. This hasn't been as successful with images. And they basically have some insights on you need to mask a bunch of the image, like a lot of it, because it's kind of easy to reconstruct if you only do like 10, 20% of the pixels. You know, actually, you need to mask out 75% of the image, which is quite a lot. And um, yeah, we have some other observations uh, that are kind of design tweaks, but are important and lead to this idea that isn't very new to work very well. And, and the nice thing, it's a very simple kind of framework. Uh, so now that it's been shown to be scalable, it's kind of good that you don't need uh, anything too crazy. You can just use this. And onto our next story, uh, actually not a paper, we have research professor Aji Bolso Dieng is out to change the world with AI. So this kind of announces that this fall, assistant professor Aji Dieng became the first black female faculty member in Princeton's engineering school's 100-year history and the first black faculty member in the computer science department. Uh, so yeah, she uh, is focused on AI, in particular uh, relating to probabilistic modeling uh, so she works on probabilistic modeling of unlabeled data and incorporating uncertainty into automated decision-making systems. And yeah, it's just nice to see that, um, yeah, there's growing diversity, that uh, this professor is now joining uh, this uh, Princeton department that apparently hasn't had many black female faculty members, and especially because she came from a slightly different background. It's cool to see that. Yeah, uh, I I love Aji, <laughs> and I think what she's doing is amazing. Uh, it's first of all a crazy feat, um, and I I basically hope that yeah, I mean, just like existing is already doing so much. Um, I can't wait to see what what she does in the, in the field. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This this article also notes, and this is from Princeton, that her parents. Uh, are, and she is from Senegal, so she you know, is now in the U.S., but she only moved out of Senegal in 2006 and has not been taught by any black uh, lecturers since. So this is you know, quite important to just have, uh, if anything, just a lecturer teaching you these concepts in AI to even make people consider the idea of trying to be, get into research. Um, and yeah, it's, it's definitely cool to see. And on to our articles in Society and Ethics. 
the first one is a Utah company says it's revolutionized truth telling technology. Experts are highly skeptical. So this is a company, um, Converis, uh, and they created a product called iDetect, and they basically uh, are trying to detect whether you're lying or not through looking at your eyes. And this is a, a quote from them. Imagine if you could exonerate the innocent and identify the liars just by looking into their eyes. Uh, well, now you can. All right. So quite a bold claim. And I can imagine that people are not going to be super happy about this. I feel like something like this comes up, you know, every now and then, um, and it rides some wave of mix of excitement and anger. Um, yeah. And I can't imagine this one will be much different, uh, from that. Um, though they, uh, have been, you know, growing a number of customers. They actually have about 600 customers, uh, now. Um, so, so yeah. Yeah, this this seems like it definitely deserves skepticism. Uh, in case our listeners don't know, for there's no real reliable truth telling technology. So polygraphs are pretty much discredited. They are not good at detecting lies or truth at all. And th- there's no science uh, apparently that actually shows that you can use eye movements to predict this. So it's uh, you know, there's maybe it's possible. It's it, they claim it's possible because you have to think harder to lie than to tell the truth. But without actual science to back it up, this does seem like kind of sham technology. And uh, hopefully, you know, there's no bad outcomes from actually relying on it. And on from that, really not much to say about this iDetect thing. We got uh, South Korea is selling millions of photos to facial recognition researchers. Uh, So apparently the South Korean Ministry of Justice has provided more than 100 million photos of foreign nationals who traveled through the country's airports to facial recognition companies without these people's consent according to uh, this NGO, Lawyers for a Democratic Society. And yeah, this is kind of crazy. I don't know of any cases where governments are selling data on people without their consent, especially of foreign people just going through the government, so going through the airports. So yeah, kind of crazy. Yeah, um, it is kind of crazy that they're doing this. This is a very different take from what other countries are thinking about right now, especially uh, the EU is is very much uh, thinking uh, against this. Um, so it's 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 an interesting kind of uh, step to take um, and is considered, quote, a human rights disaster. Yeah, it's it's does seem unprecedented, although this article also notes, and this was also surprising, that in 2018, a motherboard investigation, and this is a publication about tech, that revealed that in numerous states, the DMV apparently sold names, addresses, and other personal data to insurance or tow companies and to private investigators, which again, doesn't seem like something the DMV should be able to do. (laughs) Very, very questionable. 
So yeah, let's let's hope this coming to light is gonna stop this practice and that no one else gets such uh, ideas. Right. And on to our fun section, a lighter note. Uh, AWS makes AI and machine learning tangible with first major art debut at Smithsonian. So uh, AWS, uh, which is part of Amazon, uh, has commissioned its first ever major art piece, uh, and it will be in the Smithsonian's Futures exhibit. Uh, and this is by an artist and architect, Suti Reddy. Um, and the artwork is called Me Plus You. Uh, and it was unveiled recently. And this, uh, basically this giant sculpture um, that very much uh, will respond um, to different sentiments uh, using AI. Um, so people can walk up and speak into the sculpture and, uh, whatever the person says, whatever you say to that sculpture will then be analyzed by some AI model. The sentiment will be grabbed and it'll change, uh, presumably the color, um, or, or the flow and patterns, uh, of, of this piece. Yeah, exactly. So it, it kind of looks like a bunch of wires almost sticking out of the center. It's these fiber optic cables that they call mandalas. And that's kind of the reaction. So people can uh, step up and say things uh, like, my future looks hopeful or my future looks bright. And then they respond to that via AI that looks at the sentiment of these words and changes the color of light uh, in, in this stuff. So <clears throat> fairly simple use of AI, uh, although there's some components, there's speech recognition and there's also sentiment analysis. Uh, sounds like a neat culture. I would, I would, you know, get a kick out of interacting with it. I don't know about you, Sharon. <laughs> Um, I, I'd love to see it. I've heard of similar ones uh, that people have been working on that do incorporate AI. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see kind of these physical, physical plus digital plus like specifically with AI uh, art pieces being more and more prominent in mainstream uh, kind of viewership. Yeah, it's it would be neat to see. Usually when you go art, you know, you don't touch it. It's non-interactive at all doesn't acknowledge your presence. Uh, and yeah, I could see this becoming kind of more common where it does evolve and it does evolve uh, in reaction to you in some ways. And those are always fun. You know, everyone loves <laughs> a good uh, kind of uh, room scale installation or, or things like that. And on to our last fun story, we got Paint Me a Picture and Video Research shows Gogan AI R demo now responds to words. So NVIDIA has this research uh, on Gogan, which is again where you can basically paint uh, sort of masks, paint colors onto an image. And then that AI, uh, depending on the color uh, that you put down, kind of imagines what should be there. So you can paint something blue and it'll show a sky. If it's green, it's going to be trees and so on. And 
What's neat here is that they've updated it. So now you can actually incorporate words. So you can, you know, paint over some uh, portion of the image or, or whole image and just say, you know, sunset at a rocky beach or, uh, you know, sunset on a rainy day. Uh, I guess that would make sense. But uh, Vigan will then instantly make the image. Uh, so yeah, fun and and it's an interactive demo, so you can actually look it up and play with it. And I guess we'll have a link uh, to do that. Yay! I'm so excited. <laughs> um, I love everything that Nvidia puts out, obviously, um, and uh, I I love this next generation of Galgan. It makes complete sense to add uh, text uh, into the description and. Um, please go check it out and play with it. Um, I, I will say uh, I have not, you know, wielded the, I guess, or rather I haven't optimized my prompt tuning yet with it. So it hasn't outputted anything of great merit or value, but um, uh, it is <laughs> uh, it is very exciting stuff, especially with the examples they have at least shown that were, you know, arguably cherry pick, but still extremely impressive. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a fun tool. You do need to like play around with it as of anything, but it's it has a kind of quite nice UI, and yeah, it's pretty powerful, really, uh, if you play around with it enough. And it's nice that Nvidia, you know, has this demo, so it's super easy. You don't need to understand any of it. You just play around with it, and uh, yeah, you can get some really cool stuff. All right. And before we go, please, again, let us know any thoughts you have directly to our email at contact at lastweekinai.com. Uh, and thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Skynet Today's Last Week in AI podcast. You can find the articles we discussed here today and subscribe to our weekly newsletter with similar ones at lastweekin.ai. Yeah, we have both domains. It's a little weird, but uh, there you go. You got so this. You can't go wrong. Tune <laughs> in all the time to us. Yeah, yeah. Both a newsletter and a podcast. It's all last week in AI. So subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, and do leave us a rating and a review if you like the show on Apple. And if you don't, you can also email us, like we said, to give us feedback directly, <laughs> and we will definitely read those emails. Be sure, Be sure to, to tune, tune in, in next, next week. week.